Our sermon scripture comes from the gospel according to John, 21st chapter, first through the 19th verse. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as the Dimas, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I am going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, hauling the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning, coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask them, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Now Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I say, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. You may be seated. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. Amen. Being in several different organizations, both fraternal and community service based and in different community service organizations and whatnot, I... They have officers when they're organized. You have a a president or a chairman or a leader that is elected by some other name, but then you also have vice presidents. You have other officers inside, and one of the things that I've always looked at 
when I was in these organizations is what do the people do when the president is not around? If the president is running late or if the president is not going to be there at all, what do the people do? And usually if someone's vice president and the president is running late and the vice president doesn't want to get the meeting started without the president being there, that usually tells me, without them telling me, that they don't want to be president. So whenever that president steps down, I'm probably voting for somebody else. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There are some people who put together cabinets that are built to support the leader and execute the leader's vision. And then there are some people who put together cabinets where they expect each person to eventually move up and lead. But I pay attention to what they do. And in those other situations as well, sometimes I ask them direct questions. Do you want to be president? And if they do what some people have called false humility, Oh, no, I don't necessarily want to be president. That's not the title. You know, but if the brothers and sisters decide that I'm the one to leave, I pay attention to that. I pay attention to when you ask someone a direct question, because when you ask them a direct question, sometimes they're caught off guard. Uh, The the uh, that happens a lot as well in, in court cases when they object because it's not clear or the uh, attorney will tell the uh, judge they will object to the answers of the question because they're not responsive. But it's something to watch. Not only is that something I watch, but I also watch when people run for something and they lose. You wanted to be chairman of a particular committee and you lost the election. Do you stop coming? Do you stop participating because you didn't get the position you want? Sometimes it's not your time to be the leader. Nothing wrong with taking a shot, nothing wrong with declaring your intentions. I've probably lost more elections than I've won in various different organizations, but whenever I lost that election, I didn't disappear for a whole year. So I watch their intentions. What do you do when stuff does not go your way? What you do when stuff does not go your way is indicative of your character. Were you there for the title? Were you there to put on the nice and be, put on some nice clothes and be in front of everybody? Are you really about the work or was this about you? What happens when the road gets tough? What happens when things don't go your way? And that is what has sort of happened here in the text with the disciples. They spent the last three years walking around with a proverbial rock star. Everywhere he went, they didn't have newscasts and and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and email blasts and websites and all of these things were not going on at that time, but people still knew about Jesus who was able to feed 5,000 men and that much more women and children with two fish and five loaves of bread. The, the one who walked on water, the one who raised people from the dead, who cast out demons. Everybody knew about Jesus. And subsequently, everybody knew about the 12 that walked with him. And then the multitude, it was, it was good to be in an entourage. It's famous. But as we learned later, 
Jesus' fame came at a cost. Jesus' mission came at a cost, and so he was crucified, then buried, and then subsequently resurrected. But there's a vacuum in this organization. There's no leadership. And what are the disciples doing when there's no leadership in the text? They are going back to what they know. There are people that that live by the example that putting people under pressure lets you know who they really are. When the pressure is on, you don't have time to think about what the person in front of you wants to hear or what they want to see. You do what comes natural. You do what comes in your instincts, and that's what the disciples did. Peter went back to what he was doing before he met Jesus. Right. This casting out demons thing, this telling people about the acceptable year of the Lord, this going around and healing the sick and raising the dead, that's not really working out for me right now. I think I'm going to go back to what I was doing. This was cool for a minute, but then they started beating him. (laughs) Then they executed Jesus like a common criminal. I think I'm going to go back to fish. Sometimes that's what we do. When all else fails, we go back to what we know. And if not what we know, we go back to at least what's easy. The disciples decided to go fishing. This wasn't just fishing for breakfast. Uh, The text is very clear. They were going back into the career because they brought a net. Mm, When you go fishing for a net, with a net rather, when you go fishing with a net, you plan to catch a bunch of fish. They didn't go with a fishing rod. They didn't go with those small little nets. They went with a large net. They were done with this. Uh Jesus got crucified. I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of this life. I'm not about it. I'm out. Let's go back to fishing. And so they decide to go fishing. But guess what? These career fishermen caught absolutely nothing that entire night. That's kind of hard to do if you did that for a living. Right. I can't advertise myself as a professional fisherman if every time I go out, we do nothing but come back with empty poles. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fisherman then. I just called myself that. Huh. They were doing what they thought they were good at. They were doing what they had made a career at. They went back to what was familiar because times was hard. They went back to what was easy, but in going back to what was easy, they went back to what was really hard. They were better at this beforehand. But when they tried to do it on their own, they were ineffective. There's something else to note about the text here, according to the gospel, according to John. Here, we know that the uh, disciples, or some of them at least, were fishermen. But it's not mentioned in the gospel, according to John, until now. When you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll hear about the fishing all there, but it's there because John is very intentional about his text. People write in the stories, and you have these different stories between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because they had certain things that they felt was important. So yes, these people were fishermen, but John didn't want to mention it because it didn't matter. It mattered to him what they tried to do with Jesus, not what they tried to do before. Uh, So the text is there. And then it says that Jesus revealed himself. 
or Jesus appeared to himself. And when you look at the gospel, the, uh, according to John, that is a, uh, a, a phrase you need to pay attention to. In the, New King, in the New King James Version, in the King James Version, or the NIV, it says that Jesus showed himself. In the NIV, it, it, uh, it says that he appeared to him. That's not just him deciding that he's going to show up. That's not just him deciding that he's going to come in. Anytime you see Jesus showed himself or Jesus appeared to them, here's a miracle that's about to happen. And not necessarily a miracle because in the gospel, according to John, they don't use the term miracle. There are signs. And what do signs do? Signs point you to the way. Signs tell you which way to go. So Jesus is showing up in the text and he's about to perform a miracle. He's about to perform a sign. He's about to show them something that they may not have known. So this is an important phrase and that's what's going to happen in the first verse when it says that he appeared again to the disciples. There are signs. There's the call. Let the church say call. Standing there unrecognized, Jesus calls out and asks them, have they caught any fish? I kind of laugh when I think about that, this, this, this passage of scripture because I imagine, you know, when a parent is talking to a child and they know the answer to the question before they ask it. They just want to see what the child is going to say. Or there is something that they know that is not necessarily going right and they're going about it at the wrong, the wrong way. And they're just going to, well, let me see if you'll tell me what's going on. But there's the call. He asks them, have they caught any fish? So, how's this new job working out for you? All right. How's that new profession working out that I told you not to do anyway because I know you better than you know yourself and it's not going to be a good fit for you? How is that working out for you? I told you to fish for men. I told you to fish for women. I did not tell you to fish for fish. So how's that fishing thing working out for you? Jesus knows the thoughts that we have. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he made them fishers of men. And when stuff got tough, they went back to what they thought was easy. And so here he is again. How's that working out for you? But there's a call and then there's a command. Let's church say command. command. He tells them to throw their net on the right side of the boat. Mm. And with that command, they follow the command and there's a catch. If only we could do what God commanded. Yeah, yeah. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. If we do what God says, it may seem hard in the beginning, but it turns out to be that much more easier and we avoid a lot more trouble. So you had the command and they caught the fish. Immediately the net is filled with fish. Immediately not hold the net out for a couple hours. Not let's move to another spot because we've obviously disturbed the fish over on this area. No. Immediately when they threw the net out why Jesus told them to do it. When you do what Jesus wants you to do, when Jesus wants you to do it, you'll yield better results. Better than you could on your own. Immediately, the net is filled with fish. With Jesus, you can do much more. 
I'm reminded of the song that says, look at me. I'm a testimony. I didn't make it on my own. I'm not standing here alone. It's Jesus who gave me this opportunity. Look at me. I'm a testimony. I wish I could say that I've gotten everywhere I've gotten on my own. I wish I could say that I had done my own thing. I wish I could say that I was smart enough to figure stuff out by myself. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm not. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Everything I got is because of God. Everything that I have is because of God. Everything that I've done is because of God. I'm a testimony. And so we have the call. We have the command. We have the catch. And then there's comprehension. Peter, along with the disciple whom Jesus loved, a.k.a. John, figured out this was Jesus and immediately went to him. They comprehended Sometimes you have to see things multiple times before you truly understand what's going on. Sometimes it takes a lot of time to see something before you can really decide that this is what it is. I've read as a a student of marketing that before anybody makes a decision to buy a new product, they have to see it nine times. So if you want to buy that new TV or that new car or or that new dress or that new suit, You have to see it nine times, but here's the trick. Every three times you see it, you forget about it twice. So you really, they've decided when it comes to marketing that if they want to get you to buy something, they've got to show it to you 27 times. And you may not have to see it 27 times directly yourself, but when you think about it after you've seen it, that's another time as well. There's comprehending, and so when they saw the way Jesus was operating, when they saw the way Jesus was breaking the bread, when they saw the way Jesus was cooking the fish, they, that's familiar. There's no way we could have pulled up this many fish by ourselves. Maybe nine or ten. Maybe got lucky with a little more, but 153? That's got to be Jesus. It's got to be the favor of the Lord. So they comprehended and they started swimming towards him and when they got there, there were coals. And fish already frying over a fire and there was some bread. Jesus told them to cast their net over and get the fish. And then when they got the fish, they got more than they had ever seen before at one time. And then they finally brought it over. But when they get to the beach, he's already there cooking some fish. Again, there's that obedience is better than sacrifice. I'm going to give you a little bit of success to show you that if I wanted you to fish, I would have let you. But when you come over here, you will see that I already had fish for you. Oh, what I mean, they had to learn the lesson. But oh, what time and energy could have been saved if they had just stuck with Jesus. They wouldn't have had to go out and struggle all night. Now, I appreciate working hard for things, and I guarantee that the things that I work hard for, I appreciate more than if you just give it to me. But here it is, right here. The thing they were looking for was already cut up, cleaned, and frying for them when they was trying to get it all night themselves. And then he broke the bread, and 
You have to watch the text anytime you see bread, particularly in John, because John likes synonyms and he likes to play with words. And so that bread that he is distributing to the disciples is not just something that you put meat on with lettuce and tomato and mayonnaise and mustard to make a delicious sandwich. Bread is life. So they worked all night to try to do something on their own and then they came to Jesus and Jesus distributed the bread to them. But Jesus is giving them the source of life. Jesus is the source of life for his disciples. Not only is he the source of life for his disciples that were on the beach, but he is the source of life for the disciples that are here now. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It is not I who live, but the Christ who lives in me. So I'm not living my own life. Jesus is here to give us our life. We can't worry about what's going to go on because Jesus will provide it for us. 153 fish when I got nothing on my own. And then there's communion. He allows them to eat and break bread and they realize and they begin to realize what they have done and get back on the right path. And then there's a direct line of questioning. A confessions of sorts. Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yeah. Feed my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, then feed my sheep direct line of questioning and there is something that a bunch of scholars debate upon in it and I don't really get involved in it but I'll say it there are people that wonder about the fact that in the Greek Jesus used agape when he said do I love you that's the godly love and Peter kept saying phileo which is a brotherly love and so there was an indirect questioning there do you love me with a godly love Yes, God, I love you with a brotherly love. You're like a brother to me. I said, do you love me like a godly love, with a godly love? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then in the third time when he asks it, Jesus actually uses phileo this time and along. And some people say that there is something about there that they're talking about being on different levels with each other. And other people talk about it. But I like the fact that even though Jesus kept saying agape and Peter kept saying phileo. Finally, when he got to the end, he said phileo. Jesus, that is. So maybe, just maybe, if this Peter, who didn't have everything together and couldn't really comprehend what he was talking about, if Jesus was able to come down to his level to grab him, maybe he'll come down to my level to grab me. Maybe he'll break it down to my understanding. Maybe he'll meet me where I'm at. Maybe I'll be allowed to come as I am and not necessarily be on that level. And I like that he asked him three times. He asked him three times because if you remember in the the crucifixion story, Peter denied him three times. So what we're looking at is a reinstatement of sorts. Reinstate to restore someone to their former position or condition. An example is the union is fighting to reinstate the fired journalist to restore to return to power, to put back, to bring back, to reinstitute, to reinstall. 
he's starting over with Peter. Here's Peter, who's someone that was like a vice president of sorts. And he denied Jesus, said, I don't know the man, cussed out people for even mentioning it. He's being reinstated. And I also noticed in the text, he didn't call him Peter. He called him Simon. That's what he called him in the beginning. He was allowing him to start over and reinstate, to get back into the fold. You messed up here, but I'm going to give you a mulligan. He had called him, when he named him, he called his name was Simon, but he called him Peter or Cephas, which was the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And here he's allowing him to come back to what he started when he called him, sort of like repeating some things so that you can remember, recreating a first date, if you will. Let's go back to the beginning. I'm going to allow you to come back into where you were. Even though you messed up, I'm going to come down to your level. I'm going to find you where you're at. It does not matter what you did in your past. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So he came back, and if he went back for Peter, he might be able to go back for me. Doesn't matter what I've done. There is no unforgivable sin as long as I confess my sins to the Lord Jesus. The only unforgivable sin that is is the blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And if you blaspheme in the Holy Spirit, you don't really want to be on this side no way. You've drawn your line in the sand. You are, uncomf- you are going to be comfortable in the barbecue pit when we're all said and done. But anything else, you can, you can get forgiveness. There is no sin greater than others. So he's restoring Peter. That same song, look at me, I'm a testimony. It says it's Jesus who made me a possibility. Nobody but Jesus who never gave up on me. Jesus who put all his trust in me. Jesus who found me, fixed me, and decided to use me. Look at me, I'm a testimony. Doesn't matter how far you've fallen. Doesn't matter how far you've gone, as long as you have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit, Jesus can come out and reach you. Jesus is for all. There is no restriction. There is no VIP waiting list. There is no, 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 no pledging or hazing that you have to go through to get it. You can get Jesus. Anybody can get Jesus. And so he restores him and lets him know what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to follow Jesus. He's, Jesus is giving Peter his restoration back because he knows he's going to have to lose it. It comes with a cost. And it's a cost that Jesus already paid on the cross. And he tells him, he says, he, he, he says in the text that he, he feed my sheep very truly. I tell you when you were younger and you dressed yourself and you went out where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He's letting him know what's going to happen in the future. Just like Jesus went around healing the sick, raising the dead, opening up blinded eyes, healing the wounds of the afflicted and was crucified. Peter is going to have to go through the same thing. Matter of fact, that's what it meant to be a Christian back then. You were going to have to give up your life. But people did it willingly because Jesus willingly gave up his life for them. He took all of our sins 
and took them to the cross with him so that we could have direct access to Jesus. The doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.